1999, a movie came out called The Sixth Sense, and it ended up being the second highest uh, grossing movie of the year. And in this movie, Bruce Willis stars as uh, Malcolm Crowe, a child psychologist, who is working with this young boy named Cole. And this young boy claims to be able to see dead people who are walking around the world as if they are alive, not knowing that they're dead. And uh, the movie continues on, and at near the end of the movie, there is this huge plot twist. And I'm not going to give it away if you haven't seen the movie, because the movie purist in me would love for you to experience how the movie was supposed to be seen and experience the joy of discovery in that. But why I bring it up is this. Sometimes we can uh, see something and assume something is going on, and then a twist comes along that totally changes our perspective. And we see things from a different angle, and it get, opens up a whole avenue of understanding that we just didn't understand before. And so this week, as we jump in to finish chapter 6 in Daniel, that's kind of the approach I want to take. And to get you up to speed, I just want to remind you, last week we started chapter 6, and, and Daniel finds himself uh, in a trap. Uh, his adversaries in the court uh, of King Darius had set something up to trap him uh, so that he would lose his position, actually so that he would be executed. And we went all the way to verse 14, and I want to pick it up, and we're going to start uh, by reading, actually going back a couple of verses to verse 12, and then we'll continue on uh, to almost the end of the chapter. So starting at verse 12. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first dawn of light, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I had done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And then Daniel was lifted from the den. No wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all 
their bodies. Stop, just for a second. And I know Daniel is a well-known story, but what if we looked at Daniel through a different angle or several different angles, a different lens, a different perspective? What else could we learn about what God is doing in Daniel's life? Let me ask you a question. How old do you think Daniel is in this story? No, I actually want you to guess. Like fully commit and say it out loud. Like verbalize it. My hunch is, is that probably most of you, if you don't know for sure, think he's either still a young man or maybe in the prime of his life. But here's the thing. Daniel in this story is probably in his 70s, maybe as old as even 80. When I was younger and I would put our kids to bed, one of the favorite things I would do is I would grab them and then I would like toss them up in the air on, and they would land on their bed and they would giggle and laugh and they'd come running off, jump into my arms for me to do it again. When was the last time you tossed around a 70-year-old, 80-year-old man? Generally, you know, it doesn't go well for people in that age group if they get tossed around. And the text tells us that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. He wasn't gently lowered. And it's almost like the first miracle that we see isn't one that is told to us, but we just have to assume it, that Daniel didn't break a hip or break an arm landing on the ground before the lions even jumped on him. But what really stands out to me in this is this. Daniel is in his 70s or 80s, and he is still serving God full-heartedly, full throttle. He's not letting up. In, in fact, last week when we looked at the first part of chapter 6, it tells, you, tells us that Daniel was getting better and better at his job. The older he got, the better he got at his job. And this is just a reminder that God will continue to use us no matter what age we are. He can use us to do his work even if we're confined to our bed. You see, in God's kingdom, there is no retirement. God always has things for us to do and work that he wants to do in us. When we read Daniel's story, we really do often focus on the miraculous thing that God does to save Daniel. And we, I totally understand that. And we should, because God does an amazing thing in Daniel's life. But what if there was more to this story than just that? And I think that's the second perspective that we need to look at. What if God is trying to teach us, to tell us, how to live and how to even face our own death in this story. I love what Warren Wearsby has to say about Daniel's attitude and how Daniel approached the lion's den. He says this, God's servants are immortal until their work is done. Did you catch that? God's servants are immortal until God's work for them is done. And I get this sense that Daniel actually believed this. That if God had more things for Daniel to do, then he wasn't going to die in the lion's den. That God would save him somehow. And in essence, this is really the natural outworking of the whole theme of Daniel. We've been talking about this. That when everything seems out of control, God is still in control. He is in control of nations. He's in control of kings, of rulers. And here God is bringing it down to the individual life. God is even sovereign over our lives. This tension, though, of believing that God is in control over our own lives and, and what we experience causes conflict in us oftentimes. And I see it in a couple of ways. 
I think um, we all struggle and we all hope that God's work doesn't run out too early for us. Like we want God's work to extend into our 80s and 90s, right? We want to live a full life, see our kids grow up, our grandkids grow up. But we know that doesn't always happen for everyone. And sometimes we can get up a little upset when, when we realize that God has different plans for different people, especially those we love. And then you look at how there are moments when we know God steps into certain people's lives and does miraculous things for them. And whether it's saving them from an accident that should have killed them or healing them from a disease that should have taken them away. And we look at that and we can praise God for it. But when we look at our own lives and we look at the loved ones around us and we see our loved ones passing away, we wonder why God didn't step in miraculously for them. And we struggle with this whole thought that God is in control. You see, Hebrews gives us a little peek into this tension as well. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them to Hebrews 11. And this is known as the faith chapter of Hebrews. And it really talks about the faith of the Old Testament saints, the followers of God in the Old Testament, and the amazing things they did because they believed and trusted in God. And we pick it up at the end of verse 33. Or sorry, yeah, 33. And it says this. He's talking about those who had faith, who shut the mouth of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. And you have this, these pictures of those who were victorious, those who God rescued, those who did, God did miraculous things from. And we go, we all want to be those people. But then you jump down to 35, and it says this. There were others. And I would stop there. I would underline that word. I would bold it. I would circle it. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. And you have this tension of those who survived and did well and those who didn't and died. I love what author J.M. Boyce says about this. He says, God calls some to win by living. Others he calls to win by dying. And here's the tension. None of us want to be the others. None of us want to be called to win by dying. We all want to be the ones who are called to win by living. But here's the thing. Every single person that is talked about in Hebrews 11 ultimately ended up dying anyways. You see, when God's work for them was finished, they became mortal and they died. And I think it's, it's good for us to pause in this moment and really think about that. Do you really believe that God is sovereign? That he has a plan for your life? That he has work for you to do? Because if you do, then I think you can believe that the statement that Warren Wearsby makes, that you are immortal until God's work is done for you. And if you believe that, this is what comes out of that. It brings you to a place where you don't have to fear anything in your life. You don't have to be anxious about anything in your life because you can rest secure knowing and trusting that God will take you through whatever you're facing in that moment. And that's how I'm facing the cancer that I'm going through. I really do believe this. I believe that if God has more work for me to do, 
then this cancer is not going to take my life. In fact, if I have years left of work to do, then this cancer will be beaten. And I fully trust God in this. And here's the other part of it, though. If my work is done here, then I have something to look forward that's even better than this life. I have something to look forward about going home to be with Jesus. And that's even better. That's how we face life. That's how we face death. Different perspective number three. As you read the story of Daniel, we often focus on Daniel, but I'm not sure he's the main human character in the story. I actually think God wants us to observe Darius in this story. I mean, think about it. Darius is the one we find out about his emotional state as he goes through the different stages of discovering what happens to Daniel. If you look back at verse 14, you find out that he is greatly distressed at not being able to save Daniel from this execution. When Daniel is thrown in the lion's den and Darius goes back to his palace, we're told that he does not eat food. A better translation or a more accurate translation would probably say that Darius fasted, meaning he purposely gave up food because he was so worried about Daniel and that he doesn't sleep well. I don't think he's probably slept the entire night because he's so worried about Daniel. Then in the morning, it tells us that he hurries to the lion's den. He hustles. He goes quickly to see what has happened. And then in verse 20, it says that he calls out in an anguished voice to see if Daniel's alive. It's almost like he's wishing, hoping, but he just doesn't believe that it's possible that Daniel could be saved by his God. And then you get to the end of the story after Daniel has been rescued and saved and he knows about it. And this is what he says, uh, what he says in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And you have this picture of, of Darius understanding who God is and coming to a place to acknowledge that God is a living God and that he is the one who can rescue and save people. And so this is what I want to ask you. What if the trial you're going through, the hardship that you're facing, the valley or the lion's den you're in, what if it is more than just about you? What if God wants to use your experience and how you're going to walk through it and how you're going to go through it and how he's going to take you through that and whether it's miraculous or not, what if he wants to use that to speak to other people, to use your your experience to reveal himself to others in your life? I mean, think about this. There's not a lot known about Darius, the historical person. All we know about him is what is contained in Scripture. And so that leaves a lot of room for wondering. And many people wonder who Darius really was. One of the thoughts, though, is this, that Darius is actually Cyrus. They're the same people with just two different titles. And part of why people think that is found at the very end of the verse in verse 28. 
And the NIV shows and seems to imply that Darius and Cyrus were two different people. But if you look down in your footnotes, the footnote of your Bible will say this, or Darius, that is the reign of Cyrus. Meaning that this verse can actually be translated in two ways. One, showing that they're separate people, or two, implying that they might be the same person. And why I bring this up is this. If you look back in Ezra chapter 1, you will realize that Cyrus is the king who commissions the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And so I'm wondering whether God is giving us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at how the rebuilding got started of the temple. He obviously moved in Cyrus's heart to be able to even do that. And I wonder if Darius and Cyrus are the same person. And God used Daniel's experience in the lion's den to show Cyrus that he is the living God. He is the God who rescues and saves. What if that was the reason Daniel was thrown in the lion's den? What if the reason you're actually going through what you're going through right now is so that God can speak to those in your life and reveal himself to those in your life? Different perspective number four. I don't know if you noticed while we've been looking at Daniel chapter six, the parallels between Daniel's uh, experience and the experience of Jesus. You have an innocent man who is condemned. You have an innocent man who is set up by jealous leaders. You have a, a leader who tries to save that person, a ruler, and is unsuccessful. You have a stone being rolled over an opening and then a seal being affixed on top of it so that no one can steal the person inside. And so there's so many parallels, but there is one significant difference between Daniel and Jesus. Daniel, it tells us that when he was raised up out of the lion's den, that no wound was found on him. Basically, he was unharmed, no scratch on him at all. You see, Daniel won by living. Jesus, on the other hand, he was beaten, whipped, crucified, and died. Jesus won by dying. And yet God comes along and miraculously intervenes in both their cases. He miraculously saves Daniel from the lions, and he miraculously raises Jesus from the dead. As I was uh, putting this message together, I had this kind of this thought, and I'm not sure where it came from, but it was an interesting thought in relating to this story. What if this were the last message I ever gave? And I know that can sound kind of morbid, especially because of all the things that I'm going through with cancer, but it's not meant to be morbid. This past week, I was also reflecting on uh, a personal milestone. You see, February 1st marked the completion of 20 years as a pastor here at Southridge. And for those of you who know how long pastors last in a church, the average length of a pastoral stay is like four or five years, which means I've basically had four, at least four pastoral lifetimes here at Southridge. It's kind of like I've been around as long as Daniel was around. And so I'm wondering about my effectiveness. I'm wondering about uh, how to continue to have impact as uh, a lead pastor at Southridge. And so I think all those things were going through my head. 
And you know what? It's not a bad mindset to have the question, what if this were the last time I talked to you? What if we all had that mindset uh, in conversations we had with people every day? What if this is the last time I talked to this person? What would I need to say to them? So this is what I want to make sure that you hear today. If you were a follower of Jesus, if you were a servant of the living God, I encourage you. No, actually, I implore you that you live and serve God as if you're immortal. That is, if nothing could stop you, that you would boldly live your life and do the things that God has called you to do without fear, without worry, but just engage in whatever God has asked you to do, knowing that as long as God has worked for you, he will keep you safe. If you don't know Jesus or you don't follow Jesus yet, my words to you would be this, what is stopping you from following Jesus? Don't you realize that the only salvation that you will find in this world is in Jesus? The only one who can rescue you from whatever you're facing is Jesus. And so I encourage you today to come to Jesus and confess your sin to him, repent, believe in who he is, the son of God who can save you from your sin and commit to following him the rest of the days of your life. That's what I want to leave with you. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for Daniel. God, it is so good to look at your word and especially even familiar stories and look at them from different perspectives because your word is so rich. My prayer, Lord, is that everyone who has listened to this message, that you have spoken to them in a new and fresh way. Lord, my prayer, especially for those who are listening who don't know you yet, I would ask that they would come to the place where they would commit their lives to following you forever. Because that is the safest place we can be in, Lord. Lord, for those who are struggling today, facing hardships, I just pray that their faith and their trust in you has been built up and encouraged and that they can face whatever they're facing, knowing that they can do so in your strength. Lord, I praise you for who you are. You are the God who saves and you are the God who rescues. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being a part of our service and listening to this message. I would encourage you to interact with the questions after the message. And my prayer is that God would continue to speak to you in those questions. If you have any questions about our church, if you want to know about anything that's going on, please check out our website, southridgefellowship.ca. It has been great to have you. I hope you have a great week. And I look forward to being with you again next week.